thank you, sponsors. My sponsors are Top Spinini and Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, ComC.com, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, Burbank Sports Cards, Rob Ferris, and Mike Fruitman at Mike Stadium Sports Cards. Welcome, Peter Goodmanson, to the show. Peter was my successor CEO when I sold the company almost 16 years ago now. Really enjoyed interacting with him. I had a non-compete for a while and was still in the building. But Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jim. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, give us a quick synopsis of your career before and after, probably more after. I knew of you before yeah. in with the group, and you were highly recommended by one of my close friends. And I wish I'd been able to work together with you more directly because your first day was my last day. Exactly. Although I think we had a, a weekly meeting or so for the first two years or so. But yeah, so I, I moved to Dallas in 1996. I had a career in acquisitions and in running publishing companies. So I worked for K3 Communications, which later changed its name to Prime Media. And it was there that uh, I first became aware of your company. But in 96, we bought a company in Dallas called Westcott Communications. And I moved down to be chief financial officer and later president of that. And then around, uh, actually around 99 or 2000, I actually wrote you a letter. I don't know if you remember, I, I was inquiring if I could buy the business from my own account. And uh, thankfully, I didn't <laughs> buy it at that, at that peak. Uh, but instead, fast forward to the end of 2004, I think it was, uh, Charlie McCurdy, who had been my boss at, at Prime Media, he had formed a private equity firm called Apprise Media. And it's funny, he called me one day, and he wasn't one to just call and chat for no reason. And he just said, have you ever heard of a sports memorabilia publishing company? And I said... I only know one. It's Beckett Publications founded by James Beckett III. And he said, what? You're hired. He said, do you know it? I said, absolutely, I know it. I live in Dallas. It's got a great reputation. And I told him that some years earlier, I had dreamed about getting a shot at buying it. We ended up getting the deal done. And I came in, I think it was January of 05 when I took over the company. In the late 90s, I was in a small group of men, of presidents of companies. And one of the guys in there was a mutual friend of yours and mine. And when I got your letter, or maybe before that, he put a bug in my ear and said, hey, this guy's really sharp. And I had personal things going on sure. where I really couldn't even respond to you, Peter. I want to yeah. apologize for my rudeness, but I had some other, I, I would say irons in the fire, but what was in the fire were not irons. <laughs> I, had, I had a fire that I was trying to, to contain. But then fast forward, like you say, to 2004, I was aware of you. I smiled when I found out that this group, because we had several groups interested in us, I was pretty sure nobody was going to move us out of Dallas because no. we had a, a, a nice office and a lease and all that stuff. But when I heard that you were the guy, I thought this could be terrific because I wasn't looking. I was the founder, but I at some point you realize I'm not, I could be the founder forever, but I may not be the CEO or the owner forever. Right. And so what kind of a person would I want? And I, I was uh, very happy that you were the guy. Thankfully, it was a great relationship. And I've often told people over the years that, in fact, you even asked in an early meeting, what do you want from me? And I said, and at the time I had children who were early teens or you know, late single digits. I didn't, so this was a theoretical comment, but I said, I want you to be an adult, like an adult parent there when I need you and not when I don't. <laughs> and you really did that. You were, every time I had a question, an insight, you were tremendously helpful, but you didn't bear down and look over my shoulder all the time or second guess things. And I was always grateful for that. It was a tremendous relationship because I've been around a lot of sellers of businesses and it really is an art. A lot don't know when to let go or others conversely let go entirely and you can't find them on their sailing ship somewhere out in the, in the water when you have a question. You have the absolute balance and then on occasion, employees will test you in any organization, any culture, employees will test the new CEO and sometimes try to go around to the founder and each time you very politely said, hey, that's a great question. Why don't you talk to Peter about it? 
And that was exactly the right. You only have to do that two or three times. And the word went out that I was in charge uh, and you were my advisor. And that was really helpful. And I, I was always grateful for that. I, I realized something was up when the only time you ever came to my office was after six o'clock at night. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but no, we had a big office and I stayed where I was, which was uh, nice of you to let me do that. But again, I was probably ready. There were other circumstances. It wasn't purely a financial decision. It was just mm -hmm. time for new leadership. Like I said, you were enough different from me. I, I say you're a quick study uh, because you, you didn't have a, a sports card collecting background. And so you were going to bring fresh eyes to some of the uh, processes that we had, many of which were against the grain of New York publishing, mm -hmm. but worked for us. Exactly. And yeah, very, that's true. Yeah, and that's, well, I had been trained, actually, Charlie McCurdy's boss, who I met, my boss who I mentioned, his boss was a guy named Bill Riley. And he had a saying, take the first six months to figure out what they do right before you start changing what you think they do wrong. And I've always completely bought into that uh, idea. You have to come in with a sense of humility. I was in charge, but you, you have to realize what you don't know. And figuring out why things work before you try to change little things that you think don't work, that humility is very important. And I've always tried to follow that. So on the six month and one day, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, a lot of it was a matter of, and Beckett Publications had a very strong, positive culture. And so it was very important to keep that. And uh, there were little fiefdoms within, like any organization. We had the, the sports data people and the writer, the editorial staff, and uh, ad sales. Each had a slightly different perspective, but there was definitely a strong sense of, of culture. In fact, another funny story I remember is we choreographed, as indeed you have to, the first day that I was introduced to the employees. And I was waiting in a side room or somewhere else, and you were addressing the audience. And of course, it was a you know tearful environment. It was a, a changing of the guard after, what, 20 years? And I heard, the story I heard was, you said, any questions? And a hand went up and someone said, will the dress code change? <laughs> As if that was the most important item. But it was an insight into the culture that the dress code, I said, there's, in those days, there's traditional business dress, there's business casual, and there was Beckett sloppy. And <laughs> we were Beckett sloppy. And so, no, and, and things like that, to me, it's our insights into the culture that were important. And uh, so I tried to change as little of the culture as possible, while uh, in particular shifting, really empowering people. There's one thing a new leader can do after a sale is empower middle managers to take a step up to say you're no longer as beholden to the founder's wisdom. You can now step up and do things a little bit differently yourself. And most find that empowering, like I said, and it worked pretty well. Yeah, you became pretty good friends with a lot of the people that I really liked. And I thought yeah. that was cool because I don't know that, I won't say I was unapproachable because I was approachable, probably more approachable after my heart attack. But some of those people worked there a long time and they became dear friends and it was really cool that that they warmed up to you seemingly very quickly. Yes, no, it really was good. One thing I particularly enjoyed was it was, it was the irony of a company that was disproportionately male, but our senior team was almost all female, serving an audience that was largely male. <laughs> so it was very interesting. But yeah, with Claire Amano and, and, and Margaret Steele, and we hired a, a CFO, Jennifer LePage, from the outside. And I, I really enjoyed having that senior team, female team, which was funny. But then the next level down was disproportionately male, not surprisingly, given subject matter. Okay, that was the first transition. Mm -hmm. And then what happened uh, 
four or five years later, yeah. there, there came a time where the company was sold again. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Can you compare and contrast that transition? Yeah. So basically, so we did, I was pretty far removed at that point. Yeah, you, you were. And indeed, I was from some of it. So the private equity firm that owned us, ultimately, it was Spectrum Equity Investors. They bought some properties on the primarily on the West Coast, some enthusiast magazines that had nothing to do with what Beckett did. And they were separately operated. In particular, there were some sort of hot rod shows, some event shows, high margin when they worked, but not so much when they didn't. And then the debt facilities, the mortgage, if you will, on the business was combined both operating companies, both Beckett in, in Texas and also these companies on the West Coast. And frankly, they failed. Uh, they went downhill in some way that triggered various debt covenants and so on. So we were brought down from our bargaining power with the banks because of those companies. And again, we had nothing to do with what was going on there. Towards the end, I was offered the opportunity to run both pieces, but they, I, I declined because they had declined so far that they were beyond help, help as far as I understood it. But then I also fell in love with a startup idea of my own to do something called the Priceless Legacy Company, which was an attempt at doing custom publishing to preserve life stories for families. I ended up not working, but it was an area that I really wanted to explore. And so I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have done that. Peter, one of the challenges that I would have had working with you is that you have a really good education. You're really solid, have a Harvard MBA. I'm not unintelligent, but I made a lot of decisions that went against what people would think of me being a stats guy that I preserve and protected some of the initiatives in our company that were losers. Mm -hmm. But we had created them. Now, I didn't, I probably wouldn't have had patience for something that wasn't working that we didn't create. But I gave an awful lot of rope to some of the initiatives. And I don't think I wasn't classically trained in accounting and finance. And so I was very uh, almost simplistic in terms of a cash basis. Are we, is this paying the bills or is it at least breaking even? Do we think it has a chance to blossom in the future? So I carried things a little long. And I think that was one of my concerns about bringing in somebody like you with me being a chairman of the board. And then I'd be tying one hand behind your back to say, okay, but we can't do that because yeah. we, we need to keep this because this is our responsibility to leadership in our industry to have a publication covering this field and it's breaking even or losing money, depending on how you do the accounting. If you right. apportion the overhead a certain way, it's losing money. I'm not just blowing smoke. You did a fantastic job of detaching from that and not saying, hey, there's a sacred cow or any other seller of lesser character could have badmouthed me behind my back about he's doing what? I can't believe you're doing that because we ultimately did consolidate some titles. For example, we I think it was maybe it was year two or three. We did exit the racing space, for example, the racing monthly and the racing plus, I think, never really quite made it. And and so we made the decision to exit that. We consolidated some other titles. We launched a uh, Beckett Elite, I called it. That was my idea that I did high-end collectibles. Uh, we got some good support from the high-end auction houses for a while for that. And it was a beautiful looking magazine as well. I was very proud of it. But no, there's always change. And I never got the sense that there were sacred cows that couldn't be touched. Well, you know, I shouldn't say that. There were sacred cows. The sacred cow was the veracity and the validity of the information that we were in good faith, had to put out the best pricing data, the most comprehensive listings we could. And that's what we continue to do. And that was the, like I said, we were talking earlier that the key to your success, in my view, and in my sort of reverse engineering of your success the first 20 years was being an honest man in a complex industry. And we wanted to keep that brand value in particular. It's amazing when I do these interviews, things come up and I remember things that I'd forgotten. And here's a story I don't think I've told, but it, when we're in the 11th hour in the negotiations with Charlie and the prize guys, and you're off to the side, but there came a time when they asked me for a price reduction. And I said, I didn't say hell no. <laughs> I said, I'd be happy to 
if you don't think the company is worth uh, that much, you think it's worth that, then uh, I'm happy to uh, receive uh, uh, 10% less money from you and I'll just keep 10% of the company. Yeah. And I'll be a minority partner. And that really, wait a minute. I said, I think it's simpler if I sell you the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. But at that price, I I think then I'd want to retain something. If I had retained even 10%, (laughs) I might have been a thorn in your side. Yeah, I I think given your character, maybe not. But yeah, that was good. (laughs) Yeah, but it would have been, that's the reason I couldn't really release some because then I would have still had a financial stake in it. Yes, sure. I completely, I was more concerned about the people in the brand. Yes. And I wanted your entity as well as the successor entity to do well to have the brand be healthy and my people to be taken care of. And hopefully that's the case. People have moved on. There's still people in the industry and I'm still friends. And I think if you walked in there, they'd warmly greet you. If I walked in there, they'd warmly greet me. And like I said, if I had to pick somebody uh, to be my successor, I only get one choice. Exactly. Thank you. It was a good relation. I I also remember, I think it was the National Sports Collectors Convention of of 05. But we went out there and uh, you asked me again, what do you want me to do? And I said, just walk around with me a lot. And every now and then put your hand on my shoulder. (laughs) And just wanted the industry to see that we were aligned. We were in accord. And uh, and it worked. It really did work. Well, I I think I wanted it to work. And I, I was really pleased that you made it easier for me. So I think we had a good division of labor. You did the work and I observed and kept my mouth (laughs) shut. But mostly, like I said, the waiting six months to let things sift, we we had some quirky things, but they really worked. The New York publishing consultants, they said, you're They'd say, you're stupid to do this. And so it's working for us. And and, and I always wondered if they were going to change some things. And I think some of the things have been changed. Some for the better, but some not. At any rate, Peter, I enjoyed working with you to the extent that I could Likewise. Keep my distance and just be friends. <laughs> that was good. Perfect balance. And I can heartily recommend you. You're ne- you've now sold your latest enterprise. And so yep. you're, you're back in the market. I'd love to see you jump back into this industry. It would be fun. Like you were a man of integrity and a sharp guy that I wanted to hand off to. So I didn't really have a choice, but I totally affirmed <laughs> it once it happened. And, and I'm glad you were the guy. So thank Likewise. you for taking good care of my progeny, perhaps. Exactly. Uh, for a while anyway. And again, thanks listeners. Thanks, Peter, for being on. And again, we'll be back again with another episode. And in the meantime, uh, enjoy collecting. The man.